Welcome to today's podcast. I'm PCT Senior Digital Editor, Brad Harvison. Happy to be joined today by Dr. Angela Tucker, the Technical Service Manager for Terminex International, in, uh, headquartered in Memphis. So Angela is one of several Terminex contributors who writes the From the Field column that appears in PCT Magazine. And for our podcast today, we're going to talk to her about an issue that some service professionals have encountered, and that is distinguishing bed bugs from bad bugs and then treating for bad bugs. So this was a topic that Angela wrote about in November PCT, and we wanted to talk to her a little bit more about it. So Angela, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Brad. I'm glad to be here. Angela, to start with, can you just uh, tell us a little bit about your background and what your role is as technical service manager for Terminex? All right, sure thing. Uh, so my background is actually pretty broad. I like to tell people this is my second, maybe third career, depending upon how you look at it. I started out in the medical field. I was planning on being a medical doctor and I changed my mind, um, but I did over 10 years of experience working in a variety variety of um, medical uh, environments and uh, facilities. I've done some really interesting things uh, related to veterinary diagnostics and of course research. Um, so I've been in pest control for a little over seven years now. Uh, I started out in this industry uh, doing research and then went to a, a regional company where I was their uh, training director for a few years before I came to, to Terminex. Uh, my current role is pretty broad. Uh, because I'm responsible for not just our general pest control, but also innovation and in our wildlife service lines. Uh, that's because I also have a, a background in wildlife biology. So um, that is my main support, but I, I support just about any question uh, that people may have regarding any of our service lines, including uh, termites, uh, when they come across them either in the field or they, they see something that they're unfamiliar with. Yeah, and you had mentioned, you know, it's interesting, you you sort of said you're in your current position, it kind of marries together your, your background with both the wildlife and, and just regular general pest control. And that was kind of what you talked about in your article. It was when pests and wildlife intersect, how to identify and treat for bat bugs. And in that column, you, know, you talked about how customers and technicians can sometimes get bad bugs and bed bugs confused. You know, how big of a problem is it and, in, and what type of counts do technicians tend to find uh, bad bugs in, inside structures? That's a really great question. I unfortunately don't have solid numbers on how often it occurs, but I think it occurs a little bit more often than we talk about. Um, this column was actually generated um, because I had a technician in the field send me some photos um, saying, hey, I think this is what I have. And so I confirmed that. And I was thinking about it. That's, that's why I wanted to go ahead and uh, create this article. Uh, I know there's been past uh, articles about uh, bat bugs versus bed bugs. And I wanted to include that bat portion because most tend to focus on the bugs, not, not the wildlife. Uh, I've seen um, bat bugs in not just residential settings, but also in commercial settings. And so I think of it as if you have the potential for having a really large population of bats that whether they're coming back year after year, you can wind up with having bat bugs at some point if you 
the decision uh, or the client says, hey, you know, I've decided I want to go ahead and exclude them um, from the structure and you can't have the bat bugs moving around looking for food. And Angela, you know, as sort of a quick refresher for PMPs, what are some of the key physical differentiators between bat bugs and bed bugs? All right. That is, um, I think of it as a pretty easy um, characteristic. Uh, you will need to either have a really good picture of the insect, because what you're looking at is you're looking at the length of the hairs on the pronotum, which is right behind the head. And if the hair is longer than the width of the eye of the insect, then you have a bat bug. And it's really that simple. Yeah. And then let's look at the other part of it. And that is, you know, how is the biology and behavior of bat bugs different from bed bugs? And why is this important when interviewing customers and, and seeking clues? That's another really good question. And when you think about the basic biology, it's essentially the same because they're both ectoparasites. So they're feeding outside of an organism. Um, they're both in the same order. So they're both hemipterans. Neither of them flies. Um, they crawl because they don't, you know, they don't have wings. So the basic biology is the same. That really big difference is that association that bat bugs have with bats and bed bugs have with us. So when you're having a conversation with a customer, you really want to ask some questions uh, about where they're seeing the activity. Uh, with bat bugs, because they're associated with bats, they tend not to feed on humans. Uh, they will if they're desperate, but that's just not their common uh, food source. They don't, they don't really like us that well. And so customers may, may see the, bed bug, the bat bug, but they don't have bites or they may have very few bites. The other thing is when you're talking about the activity, bat bugs, because they're associated with bats, they tend to come down from an area because they are moving away from where the bats were uh, to try to find food. So you often see them coming down and this becomes really noticeable when you're in a, a situation where the infestation is light uh, or medium because as an infestation of bed bugs increases, you'll start to see bed bugs moving around in the area where they start to go up the walls. But in a light to a medium situation, the bed bugs are gonna be associated with the bed. Whereas bat bugs gonna be almost always associated with you know, ceiling lights, uh, the corners of the room and coming from an area from the top down. Uh, you'll have very little if any spotting on the bed, because again, they're not feeding on us. Yeah, and Angela, you know, as you, you'd mentioned, one of the things you tried to do a little different with this article was um, talk about not just the bat bugs, but bats. Um, I wanna talk about that for a minute here. Um, you know, uh, exclusion is really the key to, to uh, bat control, as, as you sort of mentioned in the article. Um, what are some products and strategies for keeping bats out of structures? So with bats, um, what I like to tell people in relationship to bats is having a regular inspection program where you're looking at entry points around soffits, uh, the top portions of the building, whether it's a residence or a commercial building. 
and making sure that you exclude those areas or the client agrees to get them excluded before you have a, uh, an issue with bats. I, I tend to stay away from recommending specific products only because there's so many products available and it really depends upon the construction of the building and what that material is as to what is the best way uh, to exclude the bat. So Angela, in cases where bat bugs do become present in structures, what are some recommended treatment strategies? You know, the, the treatment strategies are very similar to uh, bed bugs. Uh, so you want to remove uh, what you see because, of course, what you see, whether it's the adults, um, you see those cast skin, um, you see some immatures, the nymphs. Removing them from the structure means that's one less or 50 less or how many you remove that the client's going to see or that can reproduce and hide in another area. And so, of course, physical removal, you can use dust products, particularly in areas where um, bed, um, bat bugs are um, hiding. So any kind of cracks and crevices. You also want to really focus on those upper area levels. Remember, those bat bugs are coming down from an area. So getting up into um, the attic space to double check that area and see if you have a population, whether it's in the insulation or hidden in the attic. So you may need to um, either, whether you do it yourself or you subcontract the workout, you may need to get the insulation removed to remove the, the bat bugs. Uh, you can use a, a dust product um, for any that you've missed, of course, physical removal. And, you know, just come back to make sure that you've gotten everything. So the same kind of um, cadence that you would have for service follow-ups with uh, bed bugs you can use for bat bugs. And Angela, you had mentioned kind of, you touched, you, you mentioned the word subcontract there. Um, you know, as you know, some PMPs don't do wildlife management, but subcontract this work. So what should they know about working with wildlife control professionals to sort of make this partnership work? You know, I always recommend, it, whether it is, you know, the topic that we have today, so where we're talking about wildlife, any service where you are going to be subcontracting that out, you want to make sure that you talk to uh, either someone in the industry who does that work or make sure you talk to a expert so you could talk to, in this case, because we're talking about wildlife, I would uh, talk to your local um, biologist to make sure you know what is required in your state. So know what the licensing is required. Make sure you know, particularly with bats, you want to make sure you know um, the maternity season in your state. You also want to know if you have a hibernation season. Uh, some states have both seasons and that's to protect um, the bat species because we do have some bats that uh, don't migrate, they hibernate. And so in those states, you have a smaller window than in states where they just have the maternity season. And then also make sure you have a really solid idea of what is expected. Um, so what are the items that your state will allow you to do in order to do the exclusion work? That way, when you're talking to the subcontractor, you can make sure that they have the right licensing and that they also are aware of all of the same procedures that need to be followed. 
And that way you're both on the same page and your client gets what you were expecting your client to get. And Angela, I know uh, one of your passions is uh, training. And can you tell us a little bit about some of the things that Terminex does in the way of training to help technicians learn to identify the difference between bad bugs and bed bugs? And also when to be on the lookout for bad bugs? Absolutely. Uh, so our training program, um, is a pretty broad um, program that involves all of the pests that we cover. And then our technician also has access to a number of tools, including me, uh, to help them ID and confirm um, that they have a bad bug or a bed bug. Just like the, you know, I had a technician that reached out to me. And the other item as part of that training is just talking about some of the things that we talked about. When you're doing the inspection, having that conversation with a customer, asking them where they're seeing the, the bug, whether it's a bat or a bed, being observant of the evidence that they find, and then you know, following up if we've done some um, bat removal, if we've done the exclusion work, we've um, fielded, um, gotten the bats out, that we follow up to make sure that we've done everything we need to do in the attic or wherever the bats are living at to make sure that we don't have the bad bugs. Yeah, those are, uh, that's really interesting to kind of hear some of the things that Terminex is doing because uh, as you mentioned, it, it, is, a, it is something that, uh, that pest management professionals do encounter occasionally and uh, something Definitely, they need to be aware of, um, I, I think, as you mentioned, sort of some treating some of the older houses and even some of the commercial buildings. So, uh, Angela, thank you again for joining me today. Thank you. I really appreciate the time and look forward to maybe doing another one with you at a later date. Yeah, definitely. And I would certainly encourage our readers to check out the November issue of PT, PCT for uh, From the Field in Angela's column, which, again, was titled When Pests and Wildlife Intersect. And also just to uh, reach out to PCT and uh, send us your questions. Um, we might be something we can collect those questions and uh, do a column on kind of a Q&A column with uh, Angela here in the future. So um, with that, uh, thanks again, everybody, for joining us for today's podcast and have a great day.